Welcome to the Serving Church Fellowship and our study of Revelation 13, verses 11 to 18. Last week we looked at Revelation 13, 1 through 10, and today we'll pick up in verse 11. As you recall, we Janetta, uh, as we uh, move into this, just uh, so you know, uh, we made it. I've made it clear throughout. There are always various interpretations of uh, of of uh, Revelation, and so what I've been clear about is, in order to take rather than do them all, and we'd be here till the next till the millennia, end of the millennia, uh, rather than do them all, we're taking a um, a forward looking. Uh, version of a revelation rather than adopting the historical perspective which is that it is already happening or it is happening we're looking at the futurist uh, version that these are things that are to come while we recognize that uh, there are other interpretations and all of them have have compelling uh, you know reasons behind them but we had to adopt one so that's the one we're uh, we're adopting here, and um, any time that uh, you have a question, uh, just go ahead and and jump in. You can press the unmute if you're muted. You press the unmute button on your uh, screen there, and and feel free to ask a question. So it's kind of free flowing, and and uh, you're welcome to to jump in any time. So in in our interpretation, we we sided with the Dallas Theological Seminary folks and. Uh, Dr. Uh, David Hawking and, and Dr. Jeremiah, David Jeremiah as well, in their interpretation that in the first half of, of Romans, Romans, Revelation 13, 1 through 10, uh, the, the beast that rises out of the sea, uh, we interpret as the Antichrist, and he is receiving his power, he's receiving his direction, uh, from the uh, from the enemy, from Satan himself, and if you remember earlier, uh, Satan is pictured as the uh, dragon that's that's red, the red uh, red dragon. So now we see a, a new beast arising from the earth here in in Revelation chapter thirteen, verse eleven, and it's important to note that John is is moving into a metaphorical narrative here uh, rather than a literal description. Uh, he is using metaphors to describe uh, these beasts. It's a it's a real personage, but the description is in uh, the sense of a, of a metaphor. So the Antichrist, that beast, has arisen from the sea in the first ten verses that we studied. This beast comes up from the earth, and we will find him uh, to be. Many theologians believe the false prophet, uh, Doctor. David Jeremiah notes that there's an evil trinity of sorts, and I think we talked about this a little bit last week, as we have the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There appears to be a, a counterfeit trinity here. So we have Satan uh, attempting to be God, wanting to be God. We have the Antichrist, functioning as the Son of God, as the Messiah, a false Messiah. And now the prophet, and I guess the closest um, representation that we could give of the false prophet to the Holy Trinity, uh, to the evil Trinity, is the Holy Spirit. And so we have, again, uh, the enemy, Satan, uh, the counterfeit God. We have the Antichrist, the counterfeit Son, and the false prophet could be the counterfeit Holy Spirit. So the Antichrist now, um, the beast from the sea, was primarily political. If you remember, his uh, he, he came on the scene very subtly, in a very cunning way. It wasn't a grand entrance. Uh, the, 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 this beast really uh, began to... Uh, try to place himself as a peacemaker, uh, making peace throughout the world. And in the original, uh, his original time, people thought he was wonderful because he was negotiating peace, and uh, and uh, people began to adore him. And uh, and and so, 
there was a major political force behind him, and all of this, of course, was was being orchestrated by uh, by the enemy behind the scene. Now, the this third, the second beast from the earth, the false prophet, is really going to function more uh, in a religious nature. So we have the political. Uh, in that first beast rising from the sea, and now we get the religious aspect, uh, not our religion, but the religious aspect with the uh, false prophet here. Now, notice the functional relationship between the Antichrist and the false prophet. I'm going to read here from the New Living Translation, beginning in verse 11. Again, we're in chapter 13. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth, It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs, it was given... Uh, power to uh, perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. That's the Antichrist. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. That number is 666. All right, so there's a whole lot of symbolism uh, happening there. Let's uh, let, let's uh, take some of the major ones and, and work through that. The lamb, first of all, the, the second beast is described as having two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. And if you remember, the, the symbolism of a lamb in Scripture uh, is, is very symbolic of religious sacrifice in the Old Testament. So there's an immediate sense of a religious function here in the, in, in the metaphor, in, in the picture of this beast with two horns. And remember, the horns are also symbols of authority, uh, rulers or kings. So when we look at the combination here, we have the false prophet rising up to give religious backing and added authority to the first beast, the Antichrist. So now the Antichrist not only appears to be the political savior of the world, but the counterfeit Messiah as well uh, is is going to present himself to be the the new Christ with the help of the false prophet. So the false prophet is going to bring this religious significance to the Antichrist. First it's political, now they're adding the religious aspect. Uh, verse 12, it, it exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. So we see this, this evil trinity in, in process now. Satan, again, the father, the demonic power, the Antichrist as the counterfeit savior of the world, and now the false prophet in the spirit role, uh, deceiving people into worshiping the Antichrist. Now, there's an interesting statement in verse 12. It exercised. The Antichrist is Jewish. Or, I mean, it's Gentile, correct? Cr- yes. The false prophet is Jewish. The Antichrist uh, po- is. Uh, possibly okay. Jewish. Um, and, and remember the symbolism and the reason we believe the Antichrist is Gentile is the symbolic nature of coming out of the sea. Uh, and many interpreters interpret that as the sea of humanity. So the Antichrist arises as a Gentile uh, out of the sea 
of humanity. But the false prophet here, may he comes out of the earth. And remember uh, our our location that we're focus, focusing upon in, in this uh, drama that's unfolding really is in the Middle East. Uh, when they talk, remember earlier in, in Revelation about these ships that uh, a third of the ships were sunk. Uh, many interpreters believe that they're talking about those in the area of the Mediterranean Sea. So there's a, a locus, not a locust, but a locus at work here, a, a location, a geography. And so the fact that the false prophet arises from the earth and more, most likely the Middle East, and that he brings this um, religious nature with him uh, lends credibility to possibly being a Jew. Yes, not definitely, because Scripture doesn't tell us that, but that's, that's likely. Yeah, good, good thought. Now, at the end of verse 12, <clears throat> it exercised all the authority of the first beast on its, on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. And here's the sentence whose fatal wound had been healed. Oh, what are we talking about here? Well, remember, John is talking in metaphorical uh, terms here. So as the first beast from the sea, the Antichrist, is a political force forming one world government, he's described with ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns. Now remember the significance of the seven heads. They represent, we think, the first six empires that we know of the world, and the seventh being set up by the dragon. If you remember in our history, the six great empires of the world, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, uh, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And then there's the seventh that's going to arise as well. One of those empires has struck a fatal blow, but it's healed in Revelation 12, and uh, in, in Revelation 13, rather. It, ex it exercised all authority of the first beast on its behalf, made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. So there is uh, a, a little bit of a mystery here on this. Uh, I haven't found unanimous agreement among scholars uh, about this. There are various versions of this. There is one theory. I don't necessarily subscribe to it, but you're going to find it. One theory that the, um, the fatal uh, wound and then the empire that uh, rose to grow out of it was the Roman Catholic Church. So the Roman Empire being dealt a fatal bow, remember the fall of the Roman Empire, but the papacy growing out of uh, Rome in the Roman Catholic Church would be that, that new growth. Again, I, don't, I think that's a stretch. I don't necessarily subscribe to it, but you're going to hear about it, and so I'll just uh, bring it to your attention and, and so you're not surprised about it when, when you hear it. Um, I think, too, when, when we get into that type of judging, it causes us to uh, slip into a role that's really reserved for God himself. Uh, but I want to make you aware of the theory, just so you're, uh, you're aware of it. So regardless, this, this false prophet comes on the scene, and he de deceives the world into worshiping this demonic antichrist. And perhaps it's the culmination of what we see now as the general attack upon you know christianity as a whole and Pastor, the yeah can i just say something on sure. on the um, the beast um with the fatal wound yes. i always i was always under the impression that he was to signify jesus christ because jesus christ had wounds in his in his side and in his hands not so much the fall of Rome. Yeah, I think what we have to look at there, Janetta, and again, all of these, all of these interpretations have have good, you know, evidence for it. I think the the issue there, though, that we see is this is 
an evil beast. Mm -hmm. And for Christ to be represented in that beast is is a little problematic for some. Um, mm -hmm. But it's a valid, you know, it's a valid interpretation and, and one that, that does have some uh, value to it. Um, I, I think the, the thing to think through there is Christ being represented in the nature of this ungodly trinity. Right. You know, um, but again, Revelation is so complex that, uh, you know, there aren't many interpretations. So, yeah, I appreciate you uh, bringing that up. So we have the, the, the blending of the political and religious power. And, of course, uh, that's not new. Uh, many of you are, are probably familiar with the theologian W.A. Criswell. You may have read some of his his writings. He wrote this about um, religious power, political and religious power, power being blended. I do not suppose that in the history of mankind it has ever been possible to rule without religious approbation and devotion. In the days of Pharaoh, when Moses and Aaron stood before the sovereign of Egypt, he called in Janus and Jambres, the magicians, the religionists of his day, to oppose Jehovah. When Balak, the king of Moab, sought to destroy Israel, he hired the services of Balaam uh, to curse Israel. Ahab and Jezebel were able to do what they did in Israel in the debauchery of the kingdom because they were abetted and assisted by the prophets of Baal. So there's a, always a... a, a a warning here about the marriage of the state and the church. And I always joke about the fact that you don't want the church running the state. Have you ever been part of a church meeting? I mean, you know, we can't even decide what color to make the carpet. Uh, so we don't really want the, <laughs> the institute. You know, I say this in, in somewhat jest. We don't want the institutional church uh, running the state. And, and we get back to the fact that the church, ecclesia, uh, is people. It is not a building. It's not an institution. The church is people. And our, our mission is to be salt and light, uh, not, to, uh, not to take over uh, political things. So um, I, I just um, want to preface this very carefully so that I'm not misunderstood about where we are today. I think from COVID-19 to the riots and violence that we have seen, uh, to the injustices that we have seen, um, to the destruction that we have seen and are seeing, there is a spiritual battle going on here. Um, the press would make it about issues. I think it's far deeper than that. I think it's the enemy at work looking for ways to um, undermine uh, a nation that has spawned some of the greatest missionaries ever. And again, it's not about America being Christian. It's about Christianity being able to operate in, in America and having the freedom to, to exercise what God has called us to do. So that said, I do believe that at its core, a lot of what we see right now is a spiritual battle at work. And so I, I adopt the great words of the great novelist and theologian C.S. Lewis. And you're going to remember this if you've read the Screw Tape Letters. This is in the uh, preface or the foreword uh, to the Screw Tape Letters. C.S. Lewis says this, and I, I think this has great wisdom. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors 
and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. I think it's just beautifully said. It, it, it really speaks to the fact that we can either see a demon behind every bush uh, or we can see them not at all, and neither of those perspectives lines up with Scripture. Uh, the fact is that there, is, there are spir- spiritual battles going on around us right now, and uh, I believe that a lot of we're exper- what we're experiencing right, right now in, in this nation uh, is due to the activity of, uh, of the enemy, deception. And so that's a long rabbit trail to bring us back to the deception that's happening here in Revelation 13. As the power of Satan and the cunning of the religious operative known as the beast from the earth uh, or the false prophet can cause people to begin worshiping movements and leaders of movements instead of worshiping the true God. And Ann knows this uh, in, in my 11 p.m. late-night rantings on, on uh, End of the Night with Pastor Mike. I'm encouraging people to search for and listen for the voice of God in all of this. We hear the voice of man a lot, but we need to actively seek and pray into hearing the voice of God and all that's going around us. And when we search for that, we hear the quiet voice that's calm, the voice that doesn't change, the voice that is secure, and the voice that is full of love, grace, and mercy, and yet also the voice that will ultimately bring true justice uh, to the earth. And I think it's so important for us to continually pray about listening um, listening for that for that voice all right so here's where i want to be heard very accurately and this is uh this is not a jab at anyone and and i, I want to make that clear in in the in the pit of my stomach i have been concerned about a lot of the kneeling that is going on right now and i'm not I'm not attacking Colin Kaepernick here at all. I'm not attacking anyone. It's just that kneeling in Scripture and throughout the history of God's people has been an act of worship. Um, Kneeling is an act of prayer. Kneeling is an act of submission. And if we too easily begin to kneel to movements, to peoples, to ideologies, it is a not far jump to worshiping the wrong thing. And I'm just saying that for us to be careful, and I think that's one of the reasons God gave us revelation through John, is to be careful, uh, to understand what lies before us, and uh, I, all of you know that I love First Peter 2.12, which talks about the fact that our actions and how we respond affects other people. Uh, people who are just observers are going to watch us. And based upon seeing Christ reflected through us, they may be brought to the Lord on the day he returns. And I've... My- uh, yes. Excuse me. I, I have a question. You know, I always do. That's good. But we like questions. The, <laughs> I know. It. We have these discussions. Uh, you, do you think uh, that God looks at the intent of the heart instead of what comes out of our mouth? He looks at both. Does he? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah. I struggle with the kneeling thing, too. I'm not as symbolic as you are because like we won't discuss Colin Kaepernick other than to say he was kneeling to help his people, not to insult anyone. But I mean, now it seems to be a kneeling, you know, to each his own, whatever works, but I think God would be on his side as far as the intent of his heart. Well, I, I would never presume <laughs> to know God's heart. Um, <laughs> 
I'm going to let him make, make those judgments. Yeah, I think, right. I think where I align with you and, and look, this is, and I'm just being very, very open and honest with you. As I am. When, when this over the past, and it started with the COVID-19 thing, something in my deep down inside gut has been in knots. And usually that happens when the enemy's advancing and doing something significant. Um, very distressed uh, I've been about what's happening. Not, and it's not just because of the violence, and it's not just because of, of racial tensions. It's, I feel the talons of the enemy involved in what's going around us. And how do we respond to that? And I think we have to, again, look for the voice of God and come back to what we know to be true. And what we know is we shall have no God before right. our God, right? Right. Uh, we will worship no idol. And that could mean <laughs> our children. That could mean a concept. That could mean a movement. Uh, that could mean a person. That could mean a political party. Uh, that could mean a nation that... We, we must never allow anything, any icon, anything to replace God as our object of worship. Now, I don't carry that to the extreme that we don't honor other things. Uh, right. You know, when I was in uniform as, as a cop and as a, a fire chief, when the flag went by, I always saluted it because that's what you do. You respect. Right. But it's, not replacing, right. it's not replacing God with the flag. Um, what I'm, and, and again, what, what's disturbed me a little bit is the ease now at which we figuratively and literally kneel. I'm doing that very right. easily now without thinking about what does that act mean? It is an act of submission. It's an act of allegiance. And, and so we just have to, uh, I guess what I'm saying is we have to be very careful um, that, that we don't allow other things to take God's place uh, because he will prioritize for us. If we keep our eyes focused on Christ, he will prioritize uh, these things for us. So I, and get, yeah, get, and, and getting back to first Peter two twelve, and I talked to Lori about this the other day. Um, I often, especially of late, I wonder, you know, God, I'm, Am I doing what you want me to do, really? You know, are you having any effect through me at all? Or is, am I just treading water here? Am I doing what you want me to do? Or am I doing what I think I should be doing? And, and I've been having significant conversations with him about that. And every time that I, I, I start pulling on God like Jacob did, <laughs> yeah. he sends somebody through a text message or an email or in the case of the other day a person to say you know you significantly affected me or um person in my family um and and it just speaks to the fact that in, in this first peter two twelve passage i had no idea that God was working through me in those particular areas to those particular people, which only says that I have to be really careful about what I'm doing in response to what's around me. And, and I constantly have to double check. Am I responding out of my flesh or am I responding with the character of, of Christ? And it's not to pretend to be something, but it's a, it's a cross check. It's a, it's, you know, submit um, to the spirit. And so I think um, as the Antichrist begins to gain authority here, it's deceptive authority. He's a peacemaker. We should worship him. And then the false prophet comes along who has this aura of religiosity. And in fact, he has some healing power. And then he starts to say to the world, it is good to worship this 
other beast. And so we can, that's the way the enemy work. He, he works very subtly. He, he just starts chipping away. But all of a sudden, those little, it's, it's death by a thousand cuts. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I think that's what we're seeing happen here in, in Revelation is that people have, um, they are willing to let a person or a concept become their God. And with this, the reason they can't recognize the counterfeit is they don't know the original. And that's why we that do what we do. That says a lot, Mike. Yeah. Those of you who have worked uh, retail, you know, I back in my days with Radio Shack, now this is back in the days before you had the, you know, little light <laughs> things. You, you, <laughs> you know, you had to hold it up to the light and look I mean, every time that we got a big bill, we had to hold it up to the light and make sure it wasn't funny. Well, you can't know what the phony, what the counterfeit looks like unless you know what the original looks like. And I didn't see too many $100 bills at that time in my life. Uh, I didn't know the original too well. But anyway, Ann, Ann, you had a you had a comment, I think. Yes, you know, I, I want to say, all, I was going to I agree, Satan is very subtle. And uh, I had never thought about the kneeling thing. But I do know, and, uh, and I don't kneel to anything because my knees won't allow me. So <laughs> <laughs> I know well enough to know that he, any little subtle thing, if I started kneeling to one thing, after a while, it'd be okay. You know, yeah. I mean, you get right. desensitized. Right. But the other thing as far as worshiping whatever, you can also worship a Tradition, I'll call it a tradition. Mm -hmm. yep. I have been extremely frustrated <laughs> with people thinking God has commanded them to sing in church, and if not, they're disobeying God. And I mean, I have been, I, I thought I would have to get off Facebook, period. And I thought um, of all the things it says in the Bible. If I never sing in church again, God wouldn't mind. And if I go out and sleep around or lie or steal or say I don't do my income tax right, he's going to be upset about it. So I thought, you know, we forget, you know, we just take what we want to worship, what feels good or what looks good, and we worship it. We have to make sure we're worshiping God, not, not, not even necessarily his word, but God himself. I think we can get so caught up in those little things that it causes division, and Satan loves that division. And yeah. I love what you said. I, I like what you, you just said about uh, getting caught up in uh you know, traditions or symbols or something. It, it's so easy to do that. Uh, say a certain dinner Shabbat or whatever, and we have to do every tradition or God will get upset. I think what you said was very profound. <laughs> really? Well, I don't know about profound, but it's been pretty frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> but, Anne, you, I think you've hit on something that, we see happening here. That is, we can so easily, if, if we are not walking by the Spirit in a moment-by-moment -moment state, we can very easily get uh, deceived. Look at, at oh, yeah. how Paul, I mean, Paul's epistles basically were written because uh, the false gospels, uh, the the false prophets, the false teachers had infiltrated the church. Yeah, and and some with the best of intentions. Remember, Apollos himself uh, only he only knew the gospel of Jesus Christ up to the point of John the Baptist, and <laughs> and he was innocently just preaching what he knew, and it wasn't until. Um, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, uh, you know, took him in and, and began to mentor him and disciple him that the whole of the gospel was brought to his attention. So I think there are innocent 
ways yeah. this can happen, and there are also devious ways. But yeah. behind it all, uh, the enemy takes joy in, in both. And but I've, it comes you know back to it, knowing what's the, true. When it's the innocent, innocent thing. I know there's things that can be in my life that he can take and use in somebody else's. Satan can. Back to that First uh, Peter verse, you know, if I am not living as Christ would like, other people would see. And so I do think, I just, I mean, even as a Christian, we have to, be, we have to be careful that what we're saying is what God would want us to be standing up for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's about Him, not about. <clears throat> You know, if if I never got to go to church again and only did Zoom, I figure I'm in good shape. <laughs> Better than <laughs> third world countries. You know, the yeah. the gospel yeah. will survive whatever yeah. is put in front of it. Well, that's what you I know. Yeah. You know, Michael Douglas, it's Roshni. I was just listening to you. Hey! And, hi. <laughs> I, aren't I, you uh, on your honeymoon? No, I can't afford a honeymoon right now. Oh. <laughs> I have to work, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Go ahead. So I, yeah, but it was being in Tahoe was a beautiful, you know, honeymoon. I have to say, it was just gorgeous over there. Um, but I just was listening to Anne, and I was just thinking about, you know, coming from a non-Christian background and coming to Christianity, I can say. You know, there's a pros and cons, you know, in every, you know, situation, right? But I think sometimes we psychoanalyze too much of what should be done, you know? And, you know, the in the Bible, in traditions are good because there was a lot of traditions going in the Old Testament, right? And then when Jesus came, it became more of that uh, personal relationship, you know, with Jesus Christ. Um, I think the thing is that we, so much of... So much of Christianity gets um, lost of trying to, you know, what happens is the church here, I believe, from coming from a different, you know, nationality and also different religion and coming to Christianity, as long as I was in the church as a Christian for 20 somewhat, you know, 29 years, one thing I didn't really like is that I love my relationship with Jesus Christ, but I think we psychoanalyze every little too much of everything, you know, to the point that we lose sight of why we're saved as a believer in Christ, you know, and what Jesus Christ did, you know, for us, right? And then that's like, interesting. And that's for for some churches, you know, they they do worship, and some churches. Some churches, you know, have too much worship or some churches have little worship or some, you know, all those really, you know, things are small compared to what Jesus did, you know. And when we right. psychoanalyze every little detail about everything, we lose sight about what's the real worship here. What did Jesus do for us? What's the whole purpose behind our salvation? See what I'm saying? And we have to sometimes pull away we have to sometimes pull away from buildings just to get an idea, to get that perspective <laughs> back. You know? Well, yeah, and, and I, I think one of, uh, one of the sad things is that in our culture today, the church is a building. It's a location, mm -hmm. oftentimes, yeah. in people's minds. And it's not. It's the people. They ha God uses a building, uh, and, and he uses music and he uses dancing and he uses th people but uh, at at its core the body of Christ is people and we have to remember that and and a good point about tradition sometimes we can let tradition um our western tradition and and that and that's why I I spend so much time on the historical perspective of a lot of the studies we do if we don't understand the middle eastern context of what we're reading we lose the significance of what was happening we tend to interpret it in our western mind yeah. instead of the middle eastern mind so yeah, yeah. that's uh, and that 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 definitely plays into it well yeah good point and, and and i agree with you that tradition we cannot completely remove the tradition because it has so much significance from the old testament right 
even though Jesus Christ is, you know, the focus in the New Testament, there's still, you know, um, significant uh, information in the New Testament what the Old Testament reflection of tradition had to do with the coming of Christ, you know? Um, so the Western culture has a different perspective of, you know, messaging things to, you know, the audience than the Western, I mean, the Middle Eastern culture. I think there's a dichotomy, you know, sometimes it becomes a very much of a dichotomy, you know, because we are so influenced in our own Western culture that we have a hard time uh, unless we're in deep study like you're doing this study to really understand why there's that emphasis on that tradition, you know, in that West, in that Middle Eastern culture, because it has a meaning to every little detail to why it happened. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and even and, and we've talked about this a lot, the the word shalom or the Greek irene, it is not the absence of war. <laughs> Uh, it is not simply peace. Shalom in, in the Hebrew mind is, and, and I know this is a, middle, a, a, a new age-ish term, but it's a holistic uh, peace. It, it's uh, contentment. Uh, it's tranquility. It's prosperity. Uh, in, um, when when uh, the, the people of Israel were told through the prophet Jeremiah, uh, to pray for uh, the benefit or the peace of the city, uh, pay, pray for the welfare of the city, and you will have good welfare. Remember where they were. They were in captivity in Babylon for, for all places. So why would I pray for the, for the, for the benefit of, of Babylon? Well, it's because where I planted you, and I want you to pray for it. I want you to be salt and, and, and light. And so I think, uh, you know, we have, to, we have to remember that God often puts us in difficult situations for a purpose uh, to, be his, to be his ambassadors. And sometimes we, we lose focus on yeah. that because we get focused on the, the problem and we're not focused on Christ and, and what he wants us to do. And we get focused on ourselves. Uh, we can get really focused on ourselves, yeah. Let me um, let me round out uh, chapter thirteen here, and then we can take some of our comments. I want to. Um, I, I mentioned before this this need to be able to know the original God's truth, so that we can see the counterfeit. If you go back to Matthew twenty four, Jesus talked about this, beginning in verse twenty two. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. If anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So what we see happening here in, in Revelation 13 is exactly what Jesus was talking about. And, and the problem is, if, if we're not steeped in, in Scripture, and we're not steeped in God's truths, and we're not maintaining that moment-by-moment -moment connection through the Holy Spirit, we can, if we think we can't, if I think I can't be deceived, I'm a fool. Oh, yeah. I'm a fool. All right. Uh, so beginning in... Now, don't take that out of the recording and just put that on Facebook. Faster Bike says, I'm a fool. You know, that, <laughs> let's keep it in context. All right. Now, beginning, <laughs> <laughs> beginning in verse 13, we see the dragon, and he's giving great power to the false prophet to perform three major miracles. A reminder that the enemy has a certain amount of power, miraculous power, allowed by God, but only to the point that God allows him. So as you look at verses 13 to the end, and, and I won't read through all of them, but, but you can do that. Uh, as you read through 13 to the end, watch for three major miracles here that are being 
uh, energized by this second beast, by the false prophet. One, fire is called down upon the earth. Two, an image of the Antichrist is going to be built for the purpose of worshiping it. And the statue or the image is going to breathe and to speak. Oh, my. Scary. So if, if you're, you know, if, let me, let me just draw it this way. If you're a, let's say, a nominal believer, you are kind of, sort of, a follower of Christ, and you see fire fall from heaven, and, uh, and, and you see uh, uh, an image built that begins to breathe and, and, and speak, you may well be taken in by that. But you see, because we know the true God, because we know Christ intimately, because we have Jesus' warning back there in Matthew 24, uh, we, can be, we can be ready for it. I am not saying that we're going to be present during Revelation 13. Okay, we've, uh, we've discussed the various options on that. Uh, what I'm saying is that people can very easily be taken in, good mm-hmm. people uh, who have that God-shaped hole that they know needs to be filled with something. And, and when, when this type of deception begins to fill that hole, they, they will accept the counterfeit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what we see playing out here in uh, in Revelation uh, thirteen. Okay, any other uh, any other viewpoints? Any other <laughs> comments? The cat is <laughs> so, on my desk, pressing keys. I hope I don't go off the air. So, wait, I have a question. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I. I would assume that this could even be something like a, a comet or something um, that is coming down from heaven. The fire? Um, mm-hmm. The fire. So does it just strike one place on earth? Is that what happens? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't say, and again, remember that this part of Revelation is highly metaphorical. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, and so what that means, we don't know. Uh, and, you know, it's one of those situations where God allows us to be mystified. <laughs> you know, he doesn't give us all the answers. And, and that's, you know, whether it's a comet that hits the earth, um, you know, whether it's uh, a, uh, a fire season that envelops the whole earth, we, we just don't know. Um, well, I might, uh, I might not get carried away with the fire, but you tell me, I see a statue breathing and talking, I will know that's not of God. Yeah, yeah, I'm out of here, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. and, and again, what that, what that looks like, uh, we're not sure. I mean, we, we have theories, we can have theories and such, and even, um, you know, this cat is being, even... Uh, <laughs> even, even, and and we'll talk about this next time. Even the significance of the number six 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 and what that brand looks like uh, is really ha- has a lot of mystery surrounding it. Uh, and remember, in Scripture, when we talk about mystery, mystery means something that God knows that He has not yet revealed to us. Remember, for, for, the, for the, uh, the Jews of, of Paul's time, as Paul is, is uh, in Antioch just doing an amazing work, God's doing an amazing work for, uh, through him uh, in, in, in bringing the Gentiles into the family. This was a mystery to the Jews. It was something that, that they had not known, that God had not revealed, that these Gentiles now are grafted into the family you know, these Gentiles, you, you yeah. don't eat with Gentiles. You don't visit them. You don't tolerate them. You don't get near them. You don't talk to them if you don't can possibly. They're now part of the family of God. you got to be kidding. Yeah. You know, so the, the, there are always these, these mysteries, these things that, that God knows that he intentionally holds back until the, until the proper time. Any other 
viewpoints. Last comments? week you had mentioned. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I Go was ahead. Not trying to be rude. Last week you mentioned that the Antichrist, right, is the Gentile, right? And then Satan is the uh, from more Jewish. Uh, how would you say it? I don't want to say it wrong. The, the false Jewish. prophet is Jewish. False May, prophet okay. is Jewish. May, false, okay. Maybe Jewish. Maybe Jewish. Where did you get that from? I'm very curious. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's from the symbolism that we see uh, for the Antichrist coming up out of the sea, uh, the sea representing the, the sea of humanity. Oh, okay, yeah. And then, okay. yeah, and then the earth, you know, as because in Revelation, basically what we're looking at is the Middle East. That That's where all of this is focused, and you know, in the new heavens and the new earth, Jerusalem is going to be, you know, the new Jerusalem. Um, and so uh, it, 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 the, the, the interpreters, and, and this is how they arrived at this, they're saying, well, if he comes out out of the earth, metaphorically, what, is, what earth are we talking about here? Uh, and, and the earth that we're talking about is in the Middle East. And again, so I, I think it's important as we even look at Revelation that we have to remember uh, that geography is important to God, always has been. Remember Jesus uh, looking over Jerusalem and weeping over Jerusalem as a, as a city. Geography is important to God. It's radically important to God. And so, uh, you know, as, as we look at where this is all going down, uh, in in the Middle East, if if the beast is coming out of the earth, it's likely coming out of the Middle East. And if he's coming out of the Middle East, and he he's he has all of this religious um, power, uh, he he may well be a, a Jew. Uh, we don't know. It's a possibility. And again, it's one of those things. It's like you know the timing of the rapture. It's not. That the, the cat is eating my cord here. I hope I don't go off the air here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, we, we, you know, my, my faith doesn't rise and fall on when the rapture occurs. My faith doesn't rise and fall on whether, you know, the false prophet is Jewish or not. Or a, it, It's just interesting to think about and to get a little more deeply into the Middle Eastern mindset and remember that, the, the the locale that we're talking about where this is going down is is not here in the U.S. Uh, I you know it's it's most probably in the Middle East, and so that adds to when we're looking at the metaphorical uh, aspects of John's writings, we have to take into consideration we're we're, we're focusing. Uh, most probably on the Middle East, on those locations. And so that's the rationale behind possibly a Jew for the false prophet, given his religiosity uh, and coming from the earth. <clears throat> but the the Antichrist, a Gentile, uh, coming out of the sea of, of humanity. We could be all wrong on that, you know, but it's, it's uh, I, I think there's some valid valid reasons to uh, to believe that. The important thing, of course, is not whether the Antichrist is, is Gentile or not. The important thing is uh, who he is, what he does, how he sneaks into the world stage, uh, how he does a 180 about halfway through his mission, and he comes as this peacemaker, and then he turns into this murderous uh, villain. Um, that's the important. That's the important stuff. I have written in my... Um in my uh, sidebar that he gives the antichrist economic power. So I don't know whether, how that plays exactly into this, but that would go along with um, the whole, um, along with the political power to have economic power as well over the, I guess over the earth, I guess. Yeah, let me look back. Um, I need to look into that, the economic side. I, I think that's probably okay. uh, uh, a valid. 
I mean, he's, he's, he's giving, he's adding power to the Antichrist. I'll have to, I'll have to explore that. Janetta, in, in your, in your studies, uh, the, the, the false prophet, um, Janetta, any in, in your studies, any any thoughts about that economic uh, power? No, no. Um, okay. Yeah, really wasn't talked that much about the economic portion of it, but everything that else that you have been stating, um, it's all good, all good, Pastor. It's an eye opener. It really is. <laughs> it is. It, it um, really is. I will follow up on that economic aspect. That's interesting. Okay. So we'll, uh, and again, for those of you who joined late, uh, we will not be meeting next week. Uh, Lori and I will be out of state visiting our children. And then um, got this tall order of putting this national Zoom celebration of life together for Russ Richards. So there's, there's just not enough of us to go around. So um, what state, Mike, are you visiting? Uh, state of confusion. No, we're going to be <laughs> we're we're going to be mostly in uh, Colorado. Oh, okay. And actually, and this this is poetic justice. We're going to spend a lot of time in Purgatory, Colorado. <laughs> oh yeah, right. We are. No, that's where it is. That's the that's name the of the city, city we're going to be staying in. Oh really? Purgatory. Oh yeah. Yeah. How did yeah. you choose that? <laughs> it was well. It was poetic. It was chosen for us. <laughs> by, okay. <laughs> out, of, out of we we just felt a need. We haven't seen our children since um, obviously since Christmas, and we've had significant deaths in our family. Sure. Five in sure. a, in six days, we lost five close friends, and um, we just decided that. We were to be together at the end of May, and that didn't happen because of COVID. And so um, on the spur of the moment, um, we're all flying into Albuquerque and getting in a car and going to Durango. And and uh, the location of the condo where we're staying is Purgatory. So well, we're that's going okay. to be in Purgatory. Lori and Mike, have you week. flown? Have you yes, flown we already this? have. Yes, we have. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know if you'd flown since uh, your trip uh -huh. back to. Yes. Yeah, we flew. We flew um, last month for our anniversary. That was our first foray into flying uh, a month well, ago. Well, our seats were, they didn't fill the middle seats, and even the right. airport demanded masks. I mean, you couldn't even go in, right. in San yeah. Diego without masks. It was a good thing. Mm -hmm. Right. Sacramento, uh, Sacramento's like that. Um, we're actually going in and out of Oakland this time, and and they they're like that too. So uh, and uh, and we don't have the middle seat. Nobody sits in the middle seat. Well, Michael and I can, but yeah. Is it Southwest? Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. We yeah. are. The kids are each flying different, but um, but that being said, um, we just felt like it was really important um, for our family to just be together. Um, it, as it you know, is. It there, is. There's a, a, this is a hard time for um, everybody and mm -hmm. especially millennials. And um, we uh, just felt like it was really, really important that we just spend time together. We're, we're not, yes. I mean, yes. we're not leaving our work. Heather has to conduct two town halls um, for the state of Texas for, her congressman's area of Texas. And, and so she'll be doing that. And so we'll probably do a lot other than, you know, um, we'll be together when we're not working. And, um, and we'll, well be together great. even working uh, with our Wi-Fi and our computers. So um, that being said, yeah, just pray for us. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult time for, um, as you can imagine, for Joshua coming out and the church is all, closed and what does right. that mean and he's now um working uh in the marketplace um and um and then what is you know it's it's very stressful for um heather being in a campaign with um you know lots of unknowns and uh it's just um 
So that's what we're doing, Lee. We're just Good getting for together. You. And you'll be in my prayers, of course. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's, uh, and, and if you want to uh, talk for a little bit afterwards, that's, that's great. Um, and I, I don't want to, um, feel free to say no, but, but Janetta, since, uh, you're our guest today, would, would you mind closing us in prayer today? Would I don't, Janetta is a great prayer warrior. And so, uh, would you be willing to do that for us, Janetta? Yeah. I got a prayer request. Yes. Thank go you. ahead, Ann. Uh, you know, well, last Sunday when we got done, I was a total emotional mess. I'm not saying what it was about. Revelations is, I, as you know, is this this week it didn't seem as devastating. <laughs> and I have a son that could end up being right in the middle of that, and uh, grandkids. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but there is some days I just am beside myself. And I have to say, the, as I said about all of this, about worshiping, I mean, I said to somebody, I just want to get out of here now. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of listening to people's stuff. And uh, so, I mean, I'm in good shape today. <laughs> Thank Amen. You. Good. <laughs> you know, there's lots of time. Because I'm pretty, but it might have been I went to see a friend yesterday at her house. And it is probably the only person I've gone to see in all this time. Wow. So um, that would probably be why I, you know, I talk to people, but it's, I wouldn't have said it would have made a difference, but I think it might have. So you can just pray that my God, the Holy Spirit will take care of my emotional needs. You know, I live alone and I'm alone and don't really have what I would call family. Yeah. So are uh, you working in? Excuse yes, me. I am working four hours a week. And uh -huh. that's really good. Yes. Uh, so I do get out of the house for that time. But lots of times when I know other people are doing family stuff and I'm not. Although that's the way my life has been for a good 20 years, 25 yeah. But still, there's just some of those days. I don't have a lot of bad days most of the time. I, I think I got a lot of shalom in my life. <laughs> so I would say that's what I want you to pray for, is that I will have shalom. That would be great. That's, and that's right on the money. Right yeah. on the money. I think, oh, uh, Anne, you're not, you're not alone. Um, there's many people that the isolation... Oh, yeah. um, when you live alone is what is so difficult yeah, during yeah. these times. So yeah. I, yeah, you're, you're definitely not alone and why there's so much um, uh, concern about people such as yourself that don't have other people to talk yeah. to, you know, well, when it is, I know that if I am totally alone, that's my fault. Because I can pick up the any phone anytime and call somebody. Mm -hmm. But I know there is people that just can't, don't seem to have that strength, courage, wisdom to do. So when I'm in really bad shape, I get on. I do get on the phone. Uh, good. Good. Uh, I don't. That's what the body of Christ is there for. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But so when you mentioned talked about shalom, uh, I have that most of the time. And I want it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Janetta, would you, would you bless us by closing our time in prayer? And, and pray, for, pray for Anne, if you would, as well. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now, Lord. And you said where there's two or three that comes together in your name that you would be in the midst. And Heavenly Father, I thank you for being in the midst of this Bible study. I thank you for using Pastor Michael, Heavenly Father, and giving us revelation of what your word is all about. Mm -hmm. And Lord, I ask that you watch over them this week as they go about the highways and byways, traveling to meet their family, Heavenly Father, and other areas that you put a fence all around them, a hedge of protection 
all around them, Heavenly Father, as they travel mm-hmm. to be with their families. Let no weapon formed against them prosper in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask that you touch Anne, that you give her your peace, Heavenly Father, mm-hmm. that you let her know that you, regardless of what's going on today, that you are still in total control and that you are with her every step of the way, that she is not alone, that she has brothers and sisters, whether they be of blood, she has brothers and sisters that I know she she can call on, that she is never alone because you are there. You are always with us. And that's what your word says. Your word says that you will never leave nor forsake us, Heavenly Father. And I thank you for that, Lord, that you are always with us, Lord. So I ask that you be with each and every one that is on this line today, Lord. Those that wanted to be on this line and couldn't, that you bless each and every one. And Lord, I just want to take this time also to ask for healing, continuous healing for Brenda, and that she come mm. home safely yeah. without any problems, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise mm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.